Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Murder and Misery, our true crime podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Heather, and I know absolutely nothing about true crime. And my name is Jillian, and I consider myself somewhat of a true crime expert. Yes, Jill is our resident true crime expert. And we created this podcast so that Jill could teach me about all things true crime, both locally and nationally, and to take you guys along for the journey, so that if you too know nothing about true crime, you can learn something. Or maybe hear another perspective about stories you already know. Okay, so this story was requested by my friend Mallory. So thank you for requesting this story. I'm going to add a disclaimer for mention of child abuse, but bear with me because the story is a little different and I keep saying story instead of case because this isn't really like a true crime type of case like our other episodes. Okay. I know you said no more children dying. No one dies in this. Okay. It's it's just a very like odd. It's weird. So I'm excited to hear your opinion on it at the end of it. I'm excited to hear about it. Okay. Today we're discussing the story of Mackenzie Fierston. We don't have a whole lot of information on her earlier years other than her parents separating when she was about six years old and her living with her mom, Carrie Morrison, who happened to be the director of breast imaging and mammography at St. Luke's Hospital in Chesterfield, Missouri. We'll just start off when she was in high school. Uh, Mackenzie attended Whitfield, which is a private school in Creevecore, Missouri. For the non-locals listening, um, it's like a part of St. Louis, but it's like the richy, fancy part. Um, Whitfield had about 400 students and served kids 6th through 12th grade. Tuition there is about $30,000 a year. Uh, Mackenzie was a straight-A student who played varsity soccer, was on the school's government, managed a field hockey team, and even volunteered at the Special Olympics. Mackenzie was living with her mom in a nice upper-middle-class home, which I feel like how I view them would be upper-class, but I just feel like that's because my correlation of real upper class is like not what I don't know when I think of like I don't know I mean to be fair fathoming the amount of money that like the true upper class has is unfathomable (laughs) right so it's like when I think I mean like I think I grew up in an upper middle class home because what I know of my friends parents who are just like lower middle class and I think I like, looked this up recently. I'm curious if we could add this in. This is U.S. News, by the way. I probably will not put this link in the description because sure. I'm not going to remember to. Where do I fall in the American economic class system? Income groups. Poor or near poor, according to the 2019 incomes for a family of three, according to Rose, who is an expert's analysis, is that if you are poor or near poor, you make $32,000 or less for family three. Lower middle class is thirty two to 53000 Middle class is fifty three to 106000 Upper middle class is $106,000 to 373000 And rich is 373000 and up. So my, my personal views is very skewed because I am poor. <laughs> but my, you know, when I think of poor, I... I you I and, think I started the but very... But you're considering your income by yourself. You live in a household where you have two incomes. True. So... And I don't have kids. Right. But so I think... this is for three people. So this would be, in theory, I think, obviously, the nuclear family is no longer what's quote-unquote normal. But I think, in theory, this takes two parents, 
and a child. Mm-hmm. Or another way to look at it would be like a single parent and two children. And you are two adults with no children. Right. I think whenever I just think of like low, like poor, how they're describing it, I, I literally think of like homeless couch surfing, doesn't have a job, doesn't have a real income type of situation. That is poverty. And they don't just, they don't include that in the graph mm-hmm. at all. I think no, that's what I can throws look me up off. the U.S. poverty line because that is also listed. Now, the U.S. poverty line is also debated. So the same with those numbers are one expert's opinion. I'm sure that you could find a dozen different experts that would say a dozen different things. So the poverty line is also debated. But um, to keep it the same, I guess, for three people, the poverty guideline would be under 21,000. Mm. For one person, it would be under 12,000. 12,800, it's almost 13,000. Right. That's just Googling U.S. poverty line, by the way. Hmm. So. Yeah, I think my my personal visions are just cute because she probably made, I, if I had to guess, she'd probably made $250,000, $300,000 a year being the director of a major hospital. I have absolutely no idea how much money those people make. I don't know. That's I just my thought. guess. <laughs> That's just my guess. Because which, I would guess wrong, I'm sure. To me, I'm like, okay, you rich, rich. You know, if yeah. you make six figures a year, I'm like, wow, you rich, rich. But I guess it's just like middle class still. I don't know. But um, yeah, I guess you can be in like the straight middle class and make over $100,000 is what that said. Because upper middle class was like 106 to 375 or something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for that history lesson. Because, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> but that, that will, that will, I mean, kind of play throughout this whole thing, honestly. Um. So they were living in a nice upper middle class home, attending a fancy prep school with a mom who was well respected by the community. Everything from the outside seemed perfect. Mackenzie even said herself that everyone looked at them like the Gilmore girls. Her mom was a single mom and her daughter, her, living their best lives together. But unfortunately, that was not the case behind closed doors. That winter, Mackenzie recalled sitting in her bedroom closet, writing out a pros and cons list. Under the pros... Of telling, she quoted, no more physical or emotional attacks. I get out of this dangerous house. The truth is finally out. I don't have to lie or cover things up, end quote. Under cons, she wrote, quote, damaging my mom's life could go into foster care. Basically, I would probably lose everything, end quote. After finishing her pros and cons list, she slipped her journal into the vent next to her room. You see, Mackenzie was being both physically and verbally abused by her mother, and she said she was even sexually abused at one point by her mother's boyfriend, but she kept it all a secret in fear of losing everything or not being believed. Yeah. Mackenzie's close friends and some teachers did eventually start to notice how Mackenzie physically recoiled when her mother was around. One day, one of Mackenzie's best friends asked her mom why Mackenzie was always injured as the bruises were becoming more apparent. When Mackenzie asked about her injuries, she always would make up different excuses and blame it on being clumsy, as a lot of abuse victims tend to do. Yeah. Mackenzie spoke in her journal of wishing she had the courage to speak up about what was happening to her. A few months prior to Documenting her life in her journal, she was taken to St. Luke's Hospital and hospitalized for four days for a head injury that she sustained. Her mom told the staff um, that she believed Mackenzie had tripped on the stairs 
And when staff asked Mackenzie what happened, she told them that she couldn't remember. But the doctor noted that she seemed scared, which at the time... I bet that was tricky because if her mom's like a Mm well-respected medical professional... And this was her hospital that she worked at. Those doctors had to be fearful to even suggest Mm -hmm. that something might be going on. Right. So I don't know how this is going to go, but hopefully they had the courage to do so. (laughs) Well... Not this time. Not that time. She did know that, or the doctor did know that she seemed scared. But like I said, she said she couldn't remember anything, which at the time was true did her, due to her injuries. She really couldn't remember at the time. But in the following months after her head injury, her memories started to come back. And her memories about what happened were that she said her and her mom had been fighting about her mom's boyfriend. At the time, she couldn't rem- remember exactly how the injury occurred. She wrote about these theories in her journal, though. Kind of like we talked about in the Gypsy Rose case, Mackenzie was nervous that even if she did tell someone, they might not believe her because her mother was very good at manipulating people. Yeah. And, I mean, all of the things on her cons list are valid thoughts. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, I know people that haven't been in situations like that, it's kind of hard to be like, well, why would she care that, you know, about outing her mom like that but like it's still her mom it's yeah i mean obviously every child wants a mom who does not physically abuse them but it's still the love that you've known so yeah you still love your mom even if she does that to you like you still care about her you still think about her feelings you just probably wish she thought about yours too right and i mean her dad wasn't in the picture at all so really that's all she had yeah um, she did write that her mom lies better than she, Mackenzie, can tell the truth. That's kind of deep. <laughs> right, right. Um, I guess that's how good she wasn't manipulating. But after, sometime after this, she had came to school with a black eye that she attempted to cover up with makeup. But fortunately, her teachers did notice this and she was pulled out of class to explain what happened. Mackenzie then told her teachers the story her mom had told her to tell, which was that she fell into a table while playing with the dogs. Because remember, she was clumsy, or at least that's what everyone thought, because that's what she told everyone. Yeah, but if she's like a great athlete, it's kind of suspicious that then exactly. you would say, I'm so clumsy, I fell into a table. Like, right. It's kind yeah. of weird that you would be very agile on the field and then clumsy off Falling the field. downstairs. And yeah. I don't I do remember the last time I fell down the stairs, but it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So, I'm just saying. No, like I, I totally sus- get that. A suspicion? And that might be why, because why the teacher didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. Because the teacher didn't buy it and notified DSS. So later that night, Mackenzie had been like rehearsing a play at school or something. So she arrived a little later. Um, but when she got to her house, there was a caseworker there already chatting with her mom. Mackenzie said that it was, it was as if they were old friends, because remember her mom, the queen of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, the caseworker then interviewed Mackenzie in front of her mom. Oh, Which well, that's is inappropriate. Exactly. Like, I feel like that's, like, day number one of case training. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, like, if you're asking in front of the abuser, like, they're just going to... She's going to be too scared. Exactly. I feel like it's hard enough even if you're in a different room if you're still in the same house. Mm-hmm. But, like, in front of her... Honestly, if you're in a different house. Like, it's oh, still yeah. really hard because, as in a lot of these cases, like, your brain tricks you into thinking that you're being watched at every second, mm-hmm. you know? Or that somehow, even if you do tell the truth and get out, like, there'll still be consequences. Yeah. Yeah. 
or they're going to find out or whatever. Like, you're constantly thinking about that. Right. But because of this, um, of course, Mackenzie said the same made-up story about playing and falling in the table. Um, and the caseworker then apologized for the inconvenience and left. After this incident, Mackenzie said that she was very careful not to have anything else happen. And she said she would be in the kitchen with her mom and she made sure not to stand too close or try to always keep the kitchen island in between them, kind of like a barrier. Mm -hmm. The thought of running away always crossed Mackenzie's mind. However, she didn't as she had nowhere to go. Like I'd said, her parents were separated and she had no relationship with her father as her mother had filed an order of protection against him, saying that he was at risk of harming Mackenzie. Ironic that she said that he's going to harm her and she's the one harming her. Right. Apparently he was like a famous opera person, but he didn't say his name. So I don't know. I wonder if she did that so he wouldn't be able to find out. Oh, yeah. Of all of her craziness, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, that's kind of also what happened in Gypsy Rose. I'm not saying that it doesn't sound like this person had Munchausen's. I mean, maybe, but how um, Gypsy... I think that's like making up medical stuff. Right. So that would be her problem. She just seems like she has anger issues. Right. But remember in Gypsy Rose's case, Dee Dee had like distanced. Yeah, left her dad in Louisiana. Right. Because, of course, like suspicion grows, you know? Yeah. Um, Mackenzie said, quote, thinking about existing in a world where I had no parents just couldn't be a possibility in my mind, end quote. Mackenzie's mother's boyfriend had bought her mother a gun for her birthday, and this terrified Mackenzie. This boyfriend, who was a professional bodybuilder, um, a year earlier, as we kind of mentioned before, he allegedly groped Mackenzie after she had fallen asleep in her mom's bed. She said that She did tell her mom this, as she wasn't home at the time when it happened, and her mom just laughed and insisted it was an accident, and that he had thought that Mackenzie was her, and that was flattering because um, he thought that a 15-year-old was her mom. That's disgusting. Literally. Um, And of course, it wasn't an accident, and because he knew he got away with it, he felt like he could do it more. So it continued. Gross. In September of... Her mom's gross, too. They're both gross. In September of 2014, when Mackenzie had confided in a teacher about being sexually abused by her mother's boyfriend, the teacher called the Missouri Child Abuse and Neglect Hotline. And when Mackenzie had gotten home that night, her mother said that she knew she'd been talking, then proceeded to shove her down the staircase, get on top of her, and punch her in the face multiple times. The next day, she woke up confused, and her mother told her not to go to school, but she drove there anyway and went straight to her history teacher, who had she, she confided in, mm-hmm. the history teacher, said, quote, she showed up at my classroom door with a bloodied and battered face and then fainted, end quote. They called an ambulance and she was taken to Mercy in St. Louis to the pediatric intensive care unit. A nurse noted that she had two black eyes, bruises all over her body in multiple stages of healing. Her hair was full of blood. It was obvious that she was being abused. The nurse then notified the police, and when they got there, they found found out all of the details about what happened, and the caseworker, who was planning on following up with Mackenzie at school, went straight to the hospital. Mackenzie had asked the caseworker to keep her mother out of her room, so the caseworker then went into the waiting room, where she interviewed the mom. Her mom then said that Mackenzie either did it to herself, or that someone had broken into their house. 
She also mentioned that Mackenzie had gotten gum stuck in her hair the night before, and she had helped her get it out, and that she had also fallen down two steps on the stairs. Um, the caseworker did note that not once did her mom ask how she was doing or show any emotion for her being literally in the hospital with a brain injury. Mm-hmm. From here, everything started to unravel. The caseworker read Mackenzie's like journal and interviewed many people at her school and even her doctors. They all felt guilty, thinking maybe if they noted things or put it together or pushed for more answers, um, kind of stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I think anyone, any regular person would feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, like anyone with a heart would be like, oh, I wish I could have figured this out sooner so that she wouldn't have had to suffer any longer. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that's pretty normal. Yeah. And especially, I mean, she worked with some of those doctors too. Well, the mom. Yeah. You know? Well, like like I said before, I can't even imagine like how nerve wracking it would be. I mean, that's career suicide to say, I think you're abusing your daughter and then they find out that she's not. Right. You know? Yeah, and like that's a heavy accusation. 100%. And, like, you do need to be certain, but... And I, I d- will say that also kind of plays into the whole, like, she was an upper middle class mm-hmm. white woman who, you know... Seemed, I mean, on the outside to be there for her daughter. Like you were saying right. before, everybody thought they were, like, the perfect pair. Yeah, which kind of makes me think that if it was, you know, just like an average lower class person that walked in with the same injuries, would they have treated it the same way? You know? I don't know. Would they have called DFS and been like, hey, like, maybe investigate this? And, like, you know, I don't know. I feel like this entire thing was just botched. But after an investigation, it was determined that Mackenzie had to go into protective custody and could not return return home. While at the hospital, Mackenzie was trying to recover. She had to be put on a feeding tube and was diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome. After um, being in the hospital for a week, Mackenzie's mother met the caseworker at the police station, who then tried to say Mackenzie did it to herself and had more problems than she thought. Her mother was then arrested. After her arrest, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch had published an article on her mother being arrested because, once again, her mother was a prominent figure in the area, so they posted it on Facebook and basically the comments ripped Mackenzie to shreds. Why? Because they just thought she was an entitled brat. Yeah, sorry that she was beat to a pulp yep. on her face and that she had a brain injury. Yeah. But I will and say... And was abused multiple times by multiple people at this point. Right. But they think that, you know, they're like, oh, well, like... We got spanked in my day, which that is not the same thing. this is not the same. Right. And of course, like when they wrote the article. Here's the thing about it. If it's bad enough for her mother to be arrested, she was not just quote unquote spanking her. Right. Like there were clearly other issues. So you need to take a step back and realize that if the police have intervened, especially there Mm -hmm. in this situation... There were issues. It's not just somebody being a brat. Right. And, you know, they didn't post her mugshot. They posted her doctor photo yeah, where she looked ridiculous. all fancy and had her little cancer ribbon support thing going on. So, you know, everybody's that like... That irritates me. Yeah. Because, like, you know, somebody that's of stature can't abuse their children, right? Everybody knows that. Right. It just 
you know, if they're wearing a white coat, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, that's sarcasm, not, by the way. Let's not damage their reputation by putting right. their mugshot. Exactly. We have let's to pe- make them look like they're the good guy here. Exactly. Which obviously, I believe, played a role into why the comments were so horrible. And I'm not saying that every single comment was horrible, but like a lot of the comments were noted to be like entitled spoiled brat type of stuff. Okay. Um, her mom was released on bond while Mackenzie was still in the hospital. And then the damage control started. Her mom called all of Mackenzie's teachers and friends, saying that it was all made up and that Mackenzie was mentally ill and that she would never do anything like that, yada, yada, yada. Um, After almost a month in the hospital, Mackenzie was sent home to a foster home and parents and teachers from Mackenzie's school had given Mackenzie new clothes and new school supplies. When she returned to school, she found out that someone who had kids at the school and also served on the board of the school was hired by Mackenzie's mother to be her defense attorney, which I would think would be some sort of conflict of interest, but I guess not because they let it happen. Um, of course, the school rumor mill started turning like it usually does, and people were trying to figure out what happened. Did it actually happen like Mackenzie said it did? Was Ms. Mackenzie's mother trying to clean up her reputation? Um, She even told one of the parents that Mackenzie only did it to get into an Ivy League school because that was her ticket in, according to her mother. But after all of this, Mackenzie's case was dropped and the charges against her mother were also dropped before it could even go to a grand jury. Why? The prosecuting attorney said it was a lack of evidence, um, but given her mom's social status, I don't necessarily believe that. And her record was expunged. Uh, after this, a lot of people who prior had supported Mackenzie were now turning their backs on her. Uh, this time she had to move into a different foster home because of a mental health crisis with another foster child in the home. Unfortunately, the second foster home didn't work out either and she was moved into a third. I will say that her school did give her a full scholarship for her senior year, but other than that, she had no financial support from her family. During her senior year, Her college counselor told Mackenzie that she should apply for universities through something called QuestBridge, which is a nonprofit um, to help exceptional students who are struggling with financial burdens. Um, They fund them like college tuitions and stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And with a recommendation from teachers and writing her own paper, she was admitted to the University of Pennsylvania under a full scholarship from QuestBridge. Shortly after she started attending the school, she said that Things felt like they kind of just went downhill. Her foster parents had a baby and kind of just forgot about her. (laughs) Her close teachers stopped calling and she felt very alone. And she actually almost dropped out of school because of this. But she said that, quote, if I can't do this, then where am I supposed to return to? End quote. She still did have one best friend who she would visit on trips back to St. Louis for holidays. Her friend's mother said that she felt she was trying to overcompensate while she was there by trying not to be a burden and not take up any space in the house and that she would like deep clean everything and try very hard to please everybody um which i feel like is a trauma response i agree she had applied to university and her application was put under first generation as her biological parents were no longer her legal parents and her college counselor Um, said that she was an independent student who had been estranged from her family, so technically she would be considered first generation. Which, like, is first generation to, like, graduate college, kind of. That was me. 
Huh? That was me. Hey. I had special cords at my graduation. Well, then... I don't think it really did anything else for me, but um, I got special cords at my graduation. Did you get any scholarships? No. No. Not that I recall. Well, not for that. I mean, I got scholarships, but not for that. We're very proud of you. Thank you. Dr. Heather. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Mackenzie started attending events hosted by Penn First, which is a student organization for first-generation low-income students. Mackenzie said this was the first time on campus she felt that she was around her own type of people. She had never heard of first-generation low-income, but after being around these people, she said that she resonated with them. Mackenzie was later selected as one of 15 freshmen for a Penn State Civic Scholarship, which was a program for students who were committed to helping the community and social justice. Mackenzie wrote to herself in a letter that, quote, I know that my first 18 years on this planet will always be a part of who I am, but how do I move on and start this new chapter of my life without pretending like it never happened, end quote. During Mackenzie's sophomore year, she applied for a master's degree in social work and wanted to begin the master's program while completing her undergraduate degree, which I did not know was possible until this. Oh, I, a lot of people do that. I didn't think you could. Yeah, so basically your some of your credits from your graduate program count as your extras for your bachelor's. Like you have to get all those, you got to get all your core requirements or whatever, mm-hmm. but then you have to do so many hours extra classes. So they just, you do all those first and then the extra classes? You do your core classes first, you get all of those out of the way, and then when it, your first year of your master's program, you're taking 15 credit hours or whatever, and those 15 credit hours count. And they count for both degrees? It counts for both. First year of your master's program counts as your electives for your bachelor's degree. So you get it done faster. You get it done, yeah. Because like at, at Rockhurst, which is where I went to my undergrad, a lot of people that went into occupational therapy did the quote-unquote 3-2 program. So you do three years of bachelor's, two years of master's. And you don't have a and life. You're, and you're having a mental breakdown every day. <laughs> no, because it's not that big of a deal because, I mean, grad school's hard, don't get me wrong, but your first year of your master's counts as your fourth year of your bachelor's. But it's not extra work? Mm-mm. Oh. You just I thought you take all the extra elective classes. I thought you were doing like the the electives counted as the same, but I thought you still had to do the bachelor's and the master's classes at the same time. No. Hmm. Your master's classes count as your bachelor's classes. Yeah. I don't wish I did that because that sounds still very hard, but like I yeah, didn't know gra- that was an I mean, option. Grad school is not easy and not every school has programs like that, but there are schools that do that for OT and social work and whatever else. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, that is what she did. Good way to save money. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're running on scholarships. Yeah, because a lot of times your undergrad, well, undergrad costs less than grad school. And a lot of times you get your undergrad tuition for that first year. And you get to keep your undergrad scholarships for that year. Hmm. But Mackenzie said that she wanted to help young people who aged out of the foster care system. And while filling out her application, she was asked if she was first generation and her family to attend college. On the website for Pennsylvania State University's First Plus program, they define a first-generation low-income student as someone who has a strained or limited relationship with a parent who has graduated from college, which is similar to the one that the Federal Higher Education Act, which states that first-generation status depends on the education level of a parent whom a student, quote, regularly resides um, or receives support from, end quote. So when answering the question about family, Mackenzie was like, F that, I don't have a family. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she checkmarked the box that she was the first in her family to go to college. However, she did not provide further context as to why she checkmarked that, mainly because she said that she didn't want her past life to be affiliated with her new life. Yeah. She had, makes sense. Yeah, and she had no contact with her mother, which I feel like, you know, it's not like she was getting support from, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I guess they didn't ask her about it, though. Right. And, well, and it's not like they didn't know because she did request that um, her the university didn't list her contact information on the directory because she was worried that her mom would find where she lived and still somehow managed she would receive strange packages to her dorm room. Like unmarked from her mom? She assumes they were from her mom and her mom's boyfriend. Weird. Yeah. And so all of this was happening while there was a trial against her mother. Um, because though the other charges had been dropped, she was entered into a state registr- registry for perpetrators of abuse and neglect. So St. Luke's fired her and basically she had been working in another hospital, but she wanted her name to be removed from the registry. So gotcha. she Yeah, so she held a trial saying that they didn't have enough evidence and that it was affecting her employment. While this was happening, Mackenzie reached out to the Associate Director of Special Services that resided within Penn State Division of Public Safety, and they said that she was nervous um, that her family had found out where she lived. She also received a bunch of calls that would just hang up as soon as she answered. During the trial, which took place during the spring of McKenzie's junior year, she was a witness along with a psychologist and a DSS investigator. Her mother denied that she ever hit McKenzie, trying to make it out again to seem that she was mentally ill and said the whole gum in the hair story while McKenzie testified that her mother pushed her down the stairs and beat her face. She said that she didn't remember anything until the next morning when her mom came into her room and said that she was taking her keys and calling her sick to school. But Mackenzie then found a spare key and drove herself to school, like, and then what I had said earlier. She didn't remember driving herself to school because she had a concussion, but after some back and forth, the trial concluded, and a month later, the judge found her mom not guilty as a reason of lack of evidence, and her name was removed from their register. After the trial concluded, Mackenzie changed her last name from Morrison to Fearston, She did this as a means to cut ties from her family and also hoping that it would make it harder for her mother to find where she was. Yeah. This name change became official in January of 2020. And as most of y'all remember, it was only a couple months later that COVID-19 became rampant in the United States. Or for Heather's mom, um, panoramic. (laughs) Listen, everybody texts me about that. It's not just my mom. It's because I'm used to being on TikTok and they don't let you say pandemic or you get... Um, shout out band. Yeah. Yeah. So with COVID happening, all the students had to leave campus, which made it hard because some students, not even just her, didn't have anywhere else to go, which I'm sure is very scary Mm -hmm. um, because they only had a week to leave. So Mackenzie left for Ohio to stay with her roommate's family. And after she stayed there, she went to a friend's house in Philadelphia and from there, moved. Basically, Mackenzie was couch surfing. Yeah. But in May, she graduated with a bachelor's of arts and only had one year left of her master's of social work degree. This is when one of Mackenzie's professors invited her to move in with her and her partner in Philadelphia because couch surfing in a global pandemic is not the safest thing. 
Shortly after, Mackenzie applied for a Rhodes Scholarship to obtain her PhD at the University of Oxford. Her peers said that she would be a perfect candidate. In her application, Mackenzie talked about studying the entanglements between the juvenile justice system and the child welfare system, which was also the subject of her undergrad thesis. She said she wanted to lift the voice of foster children and also drew a connection that she had with her personal background of being in foster care. It is noted that she did describe a kid at one of her foster homes as a foster child. However, it was actually her foster parents' biological child, but Mackenzie said that she was just trying to simplify, simplify a very complicated story. She even got letters of endorsement from Penn First, saying that she understood what it was like to be an at-risk youth and is determined to remake the system that block rather than facilitates this success, which was signed by Beth Winkelstein, who was the deputy provost at Penn First. And in November of 2020, the Rhodes Trust made McKinsey one of only 32 scholars from the United States. Wow. Yeah. Um, at this time, the University of Pennsylvania was ecstatic that she had received the scholarship and said that, quote, she was a first-generation low-income student and a for former foster youth, end quote. After she got the scholarship, she was interviewed by the Inquirer, and they published an entire article on her, and the article started off with, quote, Mackenzie Fierston grew up poor, end quote. No, she did not. Yeah. So Mackenzie was like, what the heck, and contacted them. And the author, like, did say that, she never said that, but she described her childhood in a way. Oh, I'm sorry. Mackenzie said that she never described her childhood in this way, and the author acknowledged that Mackenzie never exactly used those words, but that she did describe herself describe herself as a first-generation low-income student, which apparently was confusing with growing up poor. Uh, days after the article had been published, some parents from Mackenzie's high school mainly some father who had kids there, reached out to Penn to explain that this was inaccurate. I guess they held a meeting about this afterwards, and then they spoke to Mackenzie's mother, who said that she was loved and cherished every moment of her life, and that basically she kind of just went downhill after failing one class, even though Mackenzie said she never failed the class, but the class that she said she failed, she got a B- minus in, which is not failing, but... Not even close. Yeah. Probably to her mom's standard. Probably made her mom mad. Right. Um, but apparently Mackenzie just cracked and fell apart under the academic stress and was looking for a way out. A couple days after this, Mackenzie was- Oh, uh, yes. Because that's why she got her master's and her PhD. Yeah. Well- Because she cracked under the academic pressure. No, they- She was trying to say that, like, she was looking for her way to get into college. So that when she had failed this class in, in high school- that she um, was, like, just, like, done and just wanted an easy way into college. So then she made up this entire abuse story solely so she could get into an Ivy League school. Okay. Yeah. So a couple of days after this, Mackenzie was asked to meet with Beth Wilkenstein to talk about everything. This came from an anonymous tip, but it is almost assured that it was her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, in the meeting, they just asked why she categorized herself as a first-generation college graduate, 
And McKenzie responded by saying that when you're in the foster care system, your legal guardian is the state. So at this point in time, she was the only generation in her family and she does not have parents legally at that point. I mean, yeah, and she's not getting any support from her mom. So I don't think it's, I mean, I think the whole idea about first generation in college is, which I don't always, I don't necessarily, in fact, I do not agree with the idea that you go to college, you make more money, you're able to support your children while they go to college so they can make more money so that they can support their children so that they can go to college and make more money and blah, 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 blah. That's not really how all of this works. Mm -hmm. Anybody can make a lot of money. Right. But the idea is that you don't have as much support because your parents weren't able to go to college so that they weren't able to get CEO jobs, whatever, and make more money. I think that's like the whole point of this first generation thing anyway. Right. So she was not receiving support, but especially not increased support because her mom had gone to college. It sounds like it would be easier for her mom just to pay for her college than because don't with I, I could be wrong because I only got one <laughs> and um but don't you have to like uphold some standard like the grades when you're oh yeah you know you have to some of them you have to apply for yearly if they're academic scholarships through the university you have to meet certain GPA requirements and credit hour requirements and all of that like there. Are, are hoops that you have to jump through. I mean, the average student who's going to school and taking it seriously will meet those easily, Mm -hmm. but there are requirements that you have to maintain. Yeah, and you have to write these huge, like, papers and stuff. It just seems like it would... It just seems like it would be easier for her not to make up this entire lie and just... Because her mom had plenty of money to pay for her to go to school. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, weird that her mom's like, oh, she made all this up to go to an Ivy League school or whatever. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, I also don't agree with this, but her mom probably could have bought her way into an Ivy League school. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I um, mean, maybe her mom didn't have quite that much money, but her mom could have bought her way into a good school, even if she didn't have good grades and didn't come from a wealthy private school in St. Louis. Like, right. she could have gotten to gotten into probably any school she wanted anyway. And it didn't even sound like she needed to make up the stuff like um, the full house lady. Like she did all these extracurricular activities and all this stuff. Oh, yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah. she needed to pretend that she was on the rowing team or something. Yeah. Like it seemed like she could have easily, she's smart, could have easily gotten into An school. athlete, yeah. She did all those things. So mm-hmm. it just doesn't even make sense that her mom would be like, she just wanted to get into an Ivy League school. Right. So it's it's just all messed up. But at this point after some back and forth Mackenzie was asked if the documentation was an accurate representation of her experiences to which she replied yes while some of the people at the school were still communicating with Mackenzie's mom through email her mom even said that she was saddened to learn that Mackenzie had stuck to her story that she became emboldened over time and has been successful with evolving her tale for six years and that um, Mackenzie had directed her masterpiece perfectly. About a week after the meeting, Winkleston wrote a letter to the Rhodes Trust Foundation saying that Mackenzie might have misrepresented her childhood and that she failed to acknowledge her upper middle class bringing and that her abuse claims cannot be substantiated. She also included that her mom had been expunged and found not guilty of the abuse 
And a month after that, the Roach Trust told Mackenzie that they were investigating her story and basically investigating her experience growing up, which is dehumanizing. But I understand. I don't know. I mean, like, I get they have to make sure people aren't lying, but it's just like this poor child has had to literally like explain and try to convince all these people that she was abused over and over and over again yeah. exactly and i just feel so bad but um mckenzie found some lawyers who took on her case for free and it was then that they learned the university was talking about invoking a process in which would revoke mckenzie's bachelor's degree they ended up offering her a deal saying that she could keep her bachelor's degree but she would have to give up the Rhodes scholarship and give up her summa cum laude honors on top of that she would have to take leave from the campus to get counseling and support before they would give her her master's degree um when the school learned that mckenzie had been talking to professors saying that she felt the university was threatening her the university added a new requirement saying that mckenzie would also have to write a statement saying that she agreed to withdraw from the scholarship without pressure voluntarily but mckenzie rejected the offer and then sent the Rhodes Trust, family court records, and medical records, along with the letters from all the people in her life that basically coincided with her story. After her investigation, the Rhodes Trust recommended that the scholarship be revoked. And, what? Yep. After she provided all the evidence? Yep. And then the report said along the lines that it was a tragic story, but the truth can't be overwritten to appeal trauma. Along with her report, they had somehow managed to get childhood pictures, which we can only assume that her mother provided, and it showed what to appear a young Mackenzie living her best upper middle class life, doing things like going to the beach and horseback riding. Can I just it, make a statement? Yeah. If your mom was super loving and like really cared about you and wanted you to succeed... Why would she be doing everything she can to ruin your life? Well, of course, these were all anonymous tips, but yeah, literally. It just, her mom seems like a narcissist. But, um, of course, on top of all that, you can't go on vacation. Because if you go on vacation, that means you've never been abused, yeah. right? Because abused kids don't get to go on vacation. So they literally, I cannot believe that they used those pictures and were like, Wow, she there's pictures of her like living her best life at the beach. That means that there nothing ever of bad. Gypsy Rose at Disneyland. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> you can't base judgment, and it just these roads people sound kind of not very cool. But you're um, not very cool. Road scholarship. <laughs> please don't send me a cease and desist because I feel like y'all are too happy. Allegedly, <laughs> get in trouble. Not like I'm ever going back to school. They're never going to give me a scholarship. But there were a couple things in her essay that didn't match up perfectly with her medical records. So basically, they said that they couldn't believe that all of it was true because, you know, it was something like, oh, she had said she had blood in her hair, but the blood was on her lip. But like stuff like that, where it's like, okay, but she literally had a head trauma. <laughs> like, I don't think she's going to remember every single thing. Mm -hmm. There was also mention... That in a story she had wrote, she said that in 2014, she had became a ward of the state, quote, once again, which they said was wrong. But Mackenzie said she was referring to how she was 
as a six-year-old child dragged into family court during a messy divorce trial. Mm. But of course, they didn't care. And they're just like, "Mm, yank the scholarship back. Um, Mackenzie was going to fight back, but her lawyers told her not to because um, there could be a federal case because of misrepresenting finances when you're applying for federal aid and stuff like that. And to be completely honest with the way things were going for her, I feel like they just didn't want to take that chance. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand why they would advise that. Right. Because it's not like people are believing her anyway, which is so messed up. Mm -hmm. But after all that, Mackenzie agreed to withdraw from the scholarship. So jump to April of 2021, six days before she was supposed to give up the Rhodes Scholarship, she got a letter from the Penn's Office of Student Conduct letting her know that the university was going to investigate because of concerns of misrepresented or embellished background. And though she was supposed to get her master's degree in social work the next month, they basically said that it would not be given to her until they could figure out what was going on. So not only is she giving up her scholarship, but they're now threatening to withhold her other degree. So after she didn't get her bachelor's, she did end up getting her like they did. Well, she'd already got her bachelor's, but they they were threatening to revoke it. Okay. So she had already had that, but okay. she hadn't got her master's yet. I didn't know yet. if they got that worked out yet or not. I yeah. I guess they did. She, um, because she, that's why she was like withdrawing or whatever. Mm-hmm. After some investigation that took place over three months, they found that, quote, McKinsey may have centered certain aspects of her background to the exclusion of others for reasons we are certain she feels are valid in a way that creates a misimpression, end quote. The panel determined that McKinsey was to be disciplined, given a $4,000 fine and a notation on her transcript that she had been shanked. (laughs) That's not the right word. That's a different crime story. (laughs) That she had been sanctioned for misrepresenting herself on her application to the School of Social Work. Mackenzie appealed the de- decision, saying that the first generation question had not felt straightforward to her. There was also mention by Mackenzie that she had been involved in a lawsuit, and basically she had some sort of seizure, which they said probably was due to the concussions that she received from being abused. Mm-hmm. And she was like in the basement, and that the ambulance couldn't get the stretcher into the um, elevator. And so they couldn't get to her, like, very quickly. So she was literally, like, seizing for, like, an hour. And there, it, it was kind of, like, a huge thing. But there was somebody else who had um, died on campus because of, they believe, like, um, it was a wrongful death because they couldn't get adequate, EMS couldn't get there quickly enough because of the layout of things. So she was involved in that because, um, basically, the family of the person who lost their life reached out to her and she was like yeah like that happened to me too like this is seriously a problem mm-hmm. so she made them mad again basically well they they believe that this is why they kind of went at her so hard because this was before all of that they she felt like it was them retaliating which of course the university denied that yeah but that kind of makes sense right and in the fall and she did some a lot of other like social work um and like protesting and stuff like that on campus Um, But in the fall of 2021, McKinsey began her sociology PhD program at Oxford, which she had been admitted to before she had to withdraw from her Rhodes Scholarship. Though she lost the funding, a professor at the Penn offered to pay for her first year of school. And two months after this, in December, McKinsey filed a lawsuit against 
Penn saying that they retaliated against her. And by the time she had filed her case, the... This is risky. It's a lot. It's very risky. Yeah. Well, the... I'm not saying that she doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying it's risky. Right. Well, the Chronicle of Higher Education was finishing up an article about how she lost her Rhodes Scholarship. The university had 30 business days to reply to her suit, but instead they came up with a 130-page response in just nine business days, which was also over Christmas. So that kind of makes me think that they already have written out and they were kind of just waiting for it. Something. Yeah. Um, Because that's fast. Right. (laughs) Especially over Christmas. But in it, the university basically painted Mackenzie as someone who can't be trusted and makes up stories of childhood abuse um, because she had temper tantrums and all sorts of things. They basically said that she made her own narrative. um, And four days after their response, the Chronicle published its article um, kind of like citing both or seeing both sides of the story. But after that, other publishers quickly started their stories on Mackenzie losing her Rhodes Scholarship. And basically, a lot of them said that she made up being poor and abused. And then the online harassing started. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, you know, I if you hear someone... You would be mad. Right. If that's all you heard, that, hey, somebody literally faked being abused and all sorts of things to get a scholarship, the internet is going to be like, hey, somebody else deserved that and you took it from them. Mm-hmm. Um. Which makes sense. They're trying to do the right thing. Right. But of course, you know, they're pushing a certain narrative, mm-hmm. which we don't really know is true. So the internet did all that they did in the bullying, and Mackenzie lost her appeal, and they were going to withhold her degree uh, until she wrote out a letter of apology saying that she did this on her own free will or whatever. But Mackenzie got her story out there, and social media did its thing. Um, and miraculously... The University of Pennsylvania decided on April 12th of this year that they released the hold because they were literally holding her master's degree. Like, they would not give it to her. They released the hold on it, saying it was following a careful review of all the materials or whatever, but we all know it was because they received such a backlash on Twitter and TikTok and social media. Like, once McKinsey got her story out there, Everybody was like, wow, like, you really, like, this girl has been through enough. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all are messed up. Um, so, of course, they said they carefully reviewed it, but I really think that they got bullied into it. Yeah, probably. Especially if they immediately came back with 130 pages right. of why they felt like they should have done what they've done last year. Or was that just over Christmas? This Christmas or last Christmas? The big 130-page paper. Uh, Christmas 2021. It's 2020. It's 2022 right now, right? Right. So this was just in Christmas. They had 130 pages of why they felt strongly. Mm -hmm. And now in April, they've said, we made a mistake. Yeah, we carefully reviewed it. (laughs) After we carefully reviewed 130 pages. However, uh, Mackenzie is still under the understanding that she will have a permanent mark on her transcript. Oh, I'm sure. This is all going to mess with her forever. Which is really sad. Yeah. And there are always going to be people who are like, this isn't even real, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, but the, I will say the $4,000 fine with, was withdrawn. Thank goodness. Yeah. She probably doesn't have a lot of money. Right. And it's like, I mean. A $4,000 fine would give me a serious panic attack. 
I don't have $4,000. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I would freak out. No, literally. Yeah. I would be like, this is the end of my life. I <laughs> like, would start I, selling my makeup. Like, I, don't I don't know, know what to do. Literally. <laughs> so I'm very glad to hear that they took that off because I was, like, stressed out when you said that. Apparently, they didn't even have, like, I don't, I don't remember exactly what I said, but apparently... They withheld it after realizing that they didn't even have, like, the ability to find a student $4,000 or something. Um, That's funny. Yeah. Well, if you go to Penn State, now you know. You can only get fined, not sure how much, but less than $4,000. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure the stipulations on that. But um, Penn State did hold, like, a walk in support of McKenzie um, after when all this was happening, like, before they gave it back to her. Being like, hey, because they were withholding it, and they were like in okay, solidarity. Hold on. Penn State students, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you yeah, say Penn sorry. State, I was like, I thought they I hated her. I should say like on campus. Okay. The, on the campus, they they did like a like kind of like a protest thing. Like, yeah. She worked hard for her degree. She's been through enough. Like, you know, I know this isn't like a true crime story, but like I feel like it's messed up enough to talk about. Yeah. Because I well, I think abuse is crime. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, the abuse, but that's not really what made this story, like, make national headlines. Really, the story made national headlines as, hey, this girl made up a story, which she changed her name and did all this stuff so that she wouldn't be found. Yeah. yeah. And don't get me wrong, I will say that the article that had, like, majority of this stuff, um, will link. I'll obviously have it linked in the show notes, but uh, they interviewed her and, like, so... This stuff was coming straight from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really no other better way to put it. And I mean, there is a lot of like small detail that she goes into. So I feel like if you guys want to know more about this story, definitely read the articles she's been interviewed in. They'll be linked down below. Um, but yeah, that's the the story of Mackenzie Fierston. I just think, I just don't think that she made all of that up. Because it would have been easier for her to live with her mom if her mom was not abusive. Mm -hmm. It would have been easier for her to live with her mom and have her mom pay for all this crap. Pay for an apartment Mm -hmm. or her dorm room or in all of her food and her books and her computers and whatever else and her tuition. Like it would have been easier to go that route than to decide... I'm going to pretend like my mom abuses me, even though she's a well-respected doctor mm-hmm. or medical professional, whoever she was, in the community, and everybody knows her, and everybody loves her, and everybody in my school knows her, and everybody in my school loves her. It would have been so much easier to just stay there right. than to make all of this up. Right. And, I mean, you know, I I know some foster parents that are, like, the most lovely, like, I don't know what the word is like. They care about those people so much, but I do not know a single person that would say, "Hey, wow, I have a really nice life." Where Let me go to foster care? Exactly. Instead. Yes. Like I don't, I don't believe that for a second. And you know, it's just 100%. sad. Even even her aunt, Mackenzie's aunt, had like said that, "Oh, like Mackenzie had planted stuff around around her her mom's house to make it seem like planting her blood and stuff like that." And it's like... No, she I, didn't. She's a... Yeah, I don't think a high schooler is like, well, let me just, you know... I don't know. I know kids lie, but I just don't think... 
anyone would choose to have this hard of a life. No. If they truly had it, it that easy. Been, it would have been so... It would still be easier knowing that her mom, like now, like she's been through all this stuff, it would still be easier to go home to her mom and say, I'm so sorry that mm-hmm. all of this happened. And her mom says, she was so loved. I care about her so much. And I never hit her. Her. It would be easier to go back and try to repair this relationship than it is for her to live on her own. Mm-hmm. And she was couch surfing. That's what I'm saying. It yeah. would be so much easier for her to go back to living with her mother. So clearly it was bad. Right. Yeah. And she was hospitalized multiple times. I don't think you get hospitalized from playing with your dogs and, you know. Yeah. It, and her, you know, the nurses had noted several bruises in several stages. Mm-hmm. Her friends noticed that she was nervous around her mom. Her teachers noticed that several times she had bruises. That doesn't just happen right. by coincidence. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think that her teacher said, I don't think you got that black eye from falling on your table. I think you got, like, where did it come from? And right. then you decide, hmm, maybe I should lie and say my mom hit me. Right. Like, I just don't think that happens. Yeah. And, like, her her best friend, like, asking her mom, like, why is she injured all the time? Like. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't think that she, like calculated this entire thing it would just be crazy yeah for her to coordinate that with that many people right and it's sad because i mean like she was supposed to be getting i mean don't get me wrong that one professor said that he's paying for the first year but um phd does not take one year Mm -mm. so and those are expensive from what i'm told but i wish her the best i think i definitely believe her i think that it's kind of silly for the school and the scholarship fund to nitpick all of these minute details to Mm -hmm. say well the blood wasn't on your lip it was in your hair or whatever else you know like that feels very silly because she had to go to the hospital right can we look at the big picture here the big picture says she went to the hospital several times for head injuries where her mom said she kept falling down the stairs Mm -hmm. don't you think there would be something put into place to prevent her from falling down the stairs if you were genuinely worried about her right don't like don't you think that you would have done something to change all of these injuries that she continuously got right and if you cared about her it's not even like oh like i fell going up the stairs and like don't get me wrong it hurt my toe i'm not saying they don't right but these are hospital like four day stay Weak stay yeah. injuries. Like, it's not, well, not just, like, that, she but tripped. it's consistent. Exactly. I mean, she consistently is injured. And like I said before, it's odd to me that her mom and her would say, well, it's just because Mackenzie's so clumsy. But then she's, like, a star athlete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't tell me you're exceptionally clumsy and you have a hard time playing with your dog when you are a good athlete. That doesn't make sense. Right. They don't add up. Yep. Yeah, well, that's my opinion. That was her story. So I do have one little thing that's different than how we usually do this. Um, I want to say again, thank you, Mallory, for posting the story. But I do have a recommendation for everybody, um, including Heather. And it was recommended to me by one of our listeners, <laughs> my cousin, Laura. Um, and it is a Netflix show. I lied. It is a Hulu show called Only Murders in the Building, and I think everybody should watch it, if you haven't already. 
Okay. It's like good. I don't know. What is it about? It's about a murder podcast. It's about a murder podcast? I haven't finished all of it yet, but like it has Selena Gomez in it and like basically like what an interesting thing to end this podcast they just make so many jabs at people starting true crime podcasts and i think it's so funny because it's hilarious (laughs) i know (laughs) and it's so good like i haven't watched i mean i watched the first couple episodes and i'm like wow i was like mom you need to watch this so um that is we don't usually do recommendations but that is my recommendation Apparently, Jill's been enjoying it. Yeah, and I... Give it a try. I've only watched a couple episodes because I went out for um, Memorial Weekend. However, um, it was recommended to me, and I'm recommending it to other people because... And especially Heather. Do you yeah, Hulu? Whatever. Yeah, I do. It's good. Okay, I'll give it a try. Yeah. Doesn't hurt to give it a try. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you can find our episodes on... Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Um, if you haven't already, follow our TikTok, our Instagram, and our Facebook accounts. And we will see you back here next week with another episode. All right, bye. Bye.